Grace, mercy, and peace be unto you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Our text for this morning is from James chapter 5. As we continue our, our and finish here the book of James, uh, James talks about the law, 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 because he assumes we're all Christians, right? And so we're already forgiven. He assumes we live in that forgiveness. Now, finally, we get to the end of the book of James, and he finally gives us a little bit of gospel. And uh, so we're going to focus on that. He says, my brothers, if anyone among you wanders from the truth and someone brings him back, let him know that whoever brings back a sinner from his wandering will save his soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins. Dear friends of Christ, you know, there are many different denominations uh, in the Christianity today, and God's people are hopelessly divided, and because of that, that is an offense to unbelievers. They say, we can't even agree on Jesus Christ. And if we can't agree on Jesus Christ, how are we certainly supposed to be able to teach them? And some churches, though, because we're so divided, some churches contend, like ours, that we must stand on the truth of God's Word and that the truth matters and that doctrine matters and and Jesus' teachings matter. Other churches contend that we must obey the Ten Commandments. They're a more, little more legalistic, and they believe that we should be obeying the law and following all the rules and, and learn to love and learn to love God. And still other churches contend that we are to conform to society that, so that we can help the people in society who have needs. And, and then there are those other churches that stress the importance of relationships. But they ignore the truth of God's Word because they, they understand that the God's Word divides people and they think that division is sinful and so we shouldn't be using God's Word to, to divide people. And, and, and there's a lot of confusion. Do we transform society? Is that what God's called us here to do? Make the world a better place? Are we here to, to you know stress the importance of human relationships what's the purpose of the church the bible warned that this division this misunderstanding would happen jesus said there will be false teachers among you actually uh, uh, peter wrote this there will be false teachers among you who will secretly bring in destructive heresies false teachings and because of them the way of truth will be blasphemed So in our day, God's truth is going to be blasphemed. People are going to mock at what God really wants to be taught. So God's church is divided because of false teachers. But the church is also divided because God's word is divisive. Did you know that? Did you know that the truth of God's word divides people? The Bible says, Jesus said before he left the earth, the the world is going to hate you because of me. The world's going to hate you Christians because of the word you proclaim. It divides people. Jesus preached the truth. How did it go for him? Did the people like his message? What did it do? It divided them. Those who said, Jesus is the Messiah, and those who said, no, he's not, crucify him. The world hates the truth, and they killed him. And Jesus said this. He, he said, this is going to happen. 
that his word will divide us. From now on, in one house, Jesus said, there will be five divided. In one house, five divided. Three against two and two against three, and they will not and they will be divided, father against son and son against father, mother against daughter and daughter against mother, mother-in-law against daughter-in-law and daughter-in-law against daughter-in-law and, and daughter-in-law against mother-in-law. And so we have all this division. How are we supposed to live with all this division? How are we supposed to live as God's word, God's word divides us? God's word will divide. How do we live as God's church? How do we do it in a loving way? Well, God's Word is, doesn't pull punches. God, God's Word calls sin, sin. And it speaks God's law. Those are the rules of what God has said, how we are to live. It speaks God's judgment about those who don't live in, according to such ways. It speaks about punishment of those who disobey those who do not believe and at the same time for those who do believe for those who seek God's grace it talks about his love it talks about his forgiveness at the same time while it proclaims law it talks about how he has mercy upon us and doesn't punish us the way our sins deserve so how much of that judgmental truth the law are we to lay aside so that we can reach people with God's love? Tough question. How much of the truth of God's law are we to lay aside and say, well, we're just going to ignore all those rules so that we can love people more? Are we to say that there's no sin, no rules, no law, no punishment, no condemnation, no commandments, so that we can win the world? With God's love? Are we to ignore the truth of God's word so that we might embrace the whole world and win it? Where's the balance? Are we to stand in truth? Or are we to stand in love? Well, let's consider our theme for this morning, keeping Christianity balanced. And that's a challenge, isn't it? It's always a challenge to stay in the middle. The church is always swinging one way or the other. Too much law or not enough law. How do you stay in the middle? It's not difficult, but the, I mean, it's not easy. It's difficult, but the church is called to do both. We're called to bring sinners to repentance, aren't we? We're called to speak the truth, to preach the commandments, to bring people to their knees. So they say, dear Lord, I want to change. Dear Lord, forgive me, I'm a sinner. And we speak the truth, but we do it in love. For we're all sinful, and we're all unclean, and we all need to seek the Lord and seek His ways. And you know what? When we speak the truth in love, you know what happens? Sinners plead to God for mercy. When we speak the truth in love, People see their need and they say, Dear God, don't punish me the way my sins deserve. Have mercy upon me. And sinners plead to God for forgiveness. And when we learn that the forgiveness is there, that, that Jesus' blood does cover a multitude of sins, then we rejoice and we're thankful. And we come to understand what He's done and we understand His love 
and we know His love because we've been forgiven in Christ. But you can't have your sins forgiven if you don't think that you're a sinner. You can't have your sins forgiven. You won't even ask for forgiveness if you don't think that you've been wrong, that you've done something wrong. You won't ask for forgiveness if you think you have no sin. People will never seek forgiveness without the preaching of the law. There would be no need. Without the law, there'd be no sin. Without the law, there'd be no rules. Without the law, there'd be no punishment. Without the law, there'd be no commandments. Without the law, there'd be no condemnation. And that's why Paul tells us that the law is good in Romans 3.20. Through the law comes a knowledge of sin. So we have to tell people about the knowledge of their sin. Preach the truth in love, because truth matters. And the law convicts human hearts. The law is what puts us on our knees to see that we are sinners and that we are sinners in need of God's undeserved love and grace. And when we have it, that's when we realize the depth of God's love. The knowledge of sin gives us the knowledge of God's grace. Right? The knowledge of our sin gives us the knowledge of God's grace. But oh, there are issues. You know, we all want to be Lord. We all want to be in charge, and we all want to be right in the church. And we, I'm right, and I understand the Bible better than everybody else does. I want to dictate truth. The way I do it is the best way. I'm right. And that's what the church does. That's what denominations do. But God is the Lord of His church. And He gives His church marching orders. He tells us how we're supposed to be doing things. And the church is to be about saving lost souls, not transforming society. Listen, the world's a dark place. It will always be a dark place. This is Satan's kingdom. You can't transform Satan's kingdom. You can bring light to the darkness. And that's what we do. We bring the light of the gospel into the sin-sick souls that are darkened with and stained and lost. And we bring the light of God's saving message into that sinful and fallen world. And that's our purpose, isn't it? To save souls, to call sinners to repentance. To seek and to save the lost, Jesus said. Seek and save the lost. God calls the church to call sinners to repentance by the preaching of the law, by speaking the truth in love, by telling others about God's rules, God's commandments. We call sin, sin. James calls us, as we live out our lives together as church, he calls us to do that through confession and forgiveness. He says, therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for one another that you may be healed. Confess your sins to one another. Sounds like a strange thing to do. Right? To confess your sins to one another. How many times do you confess your sins to somebody? I, I know we do that on Sunday morning and we think, okay, 
okay, on Sunday morning, we come together as a large group and we all say, okay, I'm a poor, miserable sinner and I confess that I am rotten and unclean. And we do that. But, but again, we're comfortable coming together as a group and saying, okay, I confess that. I confess that I, that I have an evil nature. I confess that I'm a poor, miserable sinner. And that's comfortable. We're used to that. But what we're not comfortable is doing it one-on-one. Confessing my sins before an individual person. Confessing my sin before my husband, before my wife, before my children, before my mother and my, before my father. To confess your sins and hear, have somebody hear them is a strange animal indeed. Confession is an unfamiliar thing. And we don't do things that way, do we? And yet that's exactly what James is telling us to do. There's no sense, no sense, in which we can read James chapter 5 and say it's talking about the general confession where we all come together and just as a group say, we all sin. There's in no sense is James chapter 5 talking about that, what we do in church service. James is talking about one-on-one with a brother and sister in Christ. This is the mark of the church. That when you've wronged somebody, you say, please forgive me. And that person then releases you and says, as God has forgiven me, so I forgive you. And we put that We put that all into practice, and that's the mark of the church. That's the mark of Christianity in a home, where we practice forgiveness, where we receive forgiveness with one another. We make confession. We expose ourselves one-on-one. And once again, this is the example that Christ gives us. We follow the example of Christ. He lived this out. This is what Jesus did. Do you remember what happened in Jan- in John chapter 8? Scribes and Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in adultery. And they confronted Jesus saying, "In the law, Moses commanded us to stone such women." So Jesus, what do you say? And Jesus said, "Let him who is without sin be the first to throw a stone at her." And then Jesus bent down and wrote with his finger on the ground. He visited with each person who was there privately, the people who wanted to stone this woman to death. He visited with them and said, Sir, come up here. I want to talk to you privately. And then he, with his finger in in the dirt, he would write something. And the man would look like this and look at it and and then walk away. Ma'am, you come here. The woman would come up. He'd write in the dust. She looked like this quickly dusted away with her feet and she'd go away because jesus was privately exposing each of their sins sins that would condemn them sins that would let them know they deserve to be stoned and jesus says he without sin cast the first stone and soon there were none left to cast a stone to this woman who committed adultery One by one, they all left. And finally, Jesus was one-on-one with the woman. And here we have confession. And here we have forgiveness. And here we see the, the head of the church, Jesus. We see him at work. And he's showing us what to do. And he says to the woman, Is no one left here to condemn you? Neither do I. 
condemn you? She said, no one, Lord. And Jesus said, go and sin no more. So we're to keep things in balance, aren't we? Jesus tells her to sin no more. But first, she needs to know what sin is, doesn't she? She needs the knowledge of sin to know that she must sin no more. But she also needs to know the love of God and the blood that flowed through the veins of Christ on the cross that she is not condemned. Confession, absolution, it's what marks the lifeblood of the church. Confess your sins. We confess and then we receive. We confess and then we receive that forgiveness of sins and that declaration of Christ. Go and sin no more. You are not condemned. However, this type of confession requires something from us. And it's something that we're not very comfortable with. This type of confession requires us to be transparent. Requires us to be open with each other. And we're not comfortable with that at all. Let you know the sins that I've done inside. That's uncomfortable because it requires it requires that honesty that I'm going to trust you with something that's very private. And it's difficult, isn't it? And yet there can be no mistake that part of being the body of Christ, part of what marks us as Christ's body, is that we do confess to one another and that we do offer that forgiveness to one another as we embody Christ. We are His church, the body of Christ. And when we embody Christ, we, we say to one, other, one another, you know what? You're forgiven in Christ. Jesus died for your sins that you might have eternal life. Did you know that? My daughter, I know you sinned against me, but I want you to know how much Jesus loves you. My child, I want you to know that you have eternal life. Husband, wife, I want you to know that those sins that weigh heavy upon you on your soul have been laid upon Calvary. Your sins have been forgiven. And your sins have been given to Jesus who hung there in the tree for you. You're forgiven. Can you imagine having a conversation like that with somebody? You can't even imagine having a conversation like that with a person you love the most in your life. What about a brother or sister in Christ? Can you imagine having that kind of wonderful, loving dialogue? So what kind of community, what kind of community must, must we become in order to have that kind of truth flow freely, to speak the truth in love, where we speak God's law, and then we hear the confession, I haven't lived according to it, I have not kept the commandments, and I have not loved you the way I should, and I've hurt you, and I've hurt those around me. where actual confession happens and then actual forgiveness is offered. The forgiveness we share is real. It's not an emotional placebo just to make us feel good about ourselves. Oh, your sins are forgiven. It's okay. No, it's actual church. It's the actual blood of Christ flowing. It's the actual thing. Confession. It's actual confession. Actual power to forgive those sins, those words to release the burden of guilt. So our lives are marked 
together by this balance that happens among us. The preaching of the law to bring us to our knees to say, I have been, I have wronged you. I have been wrong in how I've treated you. I deserve God's punishment. So we preach the law and we hold each other accountable and when we fail, we confess. We hold our children accountable. Have you lied? Have you cheated? Have you gotten angry unjustly? Our job is to save those who stray from the truth. We're to call them back, aren't we? Hold them accountable. To teach those who have been led into false teaching and say, oh, there are no rules in our church. There are no commandments here. We just love people. Or, no, no, our job is to make society a better place, so go feed the poor and go make sure that everybody has clothes and then we as a church are doing what we're supposed to be doing. And this is where Jesus chimes in. He says, if anyone among you wanders away from the truth and someone brings him back, let him know that whoever brings back a sinner from his wandering will save his soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins. Can you imagine yourself doing that? Calling someone who is straying back, going to their home and visiting with them? Praying with them? Someone who strayed from the truth, doesn't want to hear the word, doesn't want to hear the law? Going to someone whose life does not reflect the Christian faith that they say they profess with their mouth. Going to someone whose life is a direct contradiction of what they say they believe. God wants us to keep things in balance. He wants us to say, my brother, my sister in Christ, I think, I think you and I need to look at this. I think you and I need to sit down one-on-one. I think we need to open up Scripture and see what God says about such things. I think we need to hear the truth. And when we reach out to those who have strayed, when we reach out to those who have wandered from the truth, wandered into all kinds of, wandered from the path of God, wandered into various sins, when we do that, we imitate Christ. We become the body of Christ. We embody Christ to them. But being bold enough to do that requires three things. It requires a willingness to speak the truth in love. It requires that we remain humble. I am not better than you. My sins deserve condemnation too. And it requires patience. Because so often the other person is not willing to make a confession. They're not willing to be shown in God's word that they're sinful. It requires patience. I want to talk to you about something. And it requires something from the person who needs to be talked to. It requires something from the person who's stuck in sin. It requires, it requires an openness to receive instruction. An openness to receive correction. Okay, I am a Christian. I am a Christian. And yes, there are times where I am wrong and I need to learn to do better. 
instead of saying, who are you to talk to me? Who are you to condemn me? That comes from a hard heart. And this is, of course, where we all quote that one, spat, one, one scripture passage. You, know, you take the plank out of your own eye first. Don't worry about sin in my, eye, in my life. But maybe, maybe, maybe what the church needs is for us to stay balanced. His openness and willingness to say, you know what? Maybe I do need to know. Maybe I do need to hear that I've strayed. Maybe I do need to hear that I've wronged God and I've wronged those around me. Maybe I do need to hear where my life does not reflect what my tongue confesses. Maybe I can do all that in a better way. And when that confession happens, when a wandering soul opens up and listens to God's law, that's when the person will confess their wrong. And when they do, we rejoice with them. And we say, go and sin no more. You are not condemned for Christ's sacrifice has covered a multitude of sins. Amen. And now may the peace of God that passes all understanding keep your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus unto life everlasting. Amen.